Archbishop, here we are at the end of the Advent season. Thanks for joining us again today. You're very welcome. It's a beautiful time of the year. We know that the last several months have been somewhat challenging for our local church and the church nationally. Has this circumstance been an occasion for you to enter Advent in a different way? Has it changed the way you observe this season? Uh, I would say yes. I've always enjoyed the liturgical seasons and tried to mine the various readings and the themes of the seasons for my own prayer. And as I discern the Lord's will for me, try to see, even though I've, at my age I've had many Advents, I'm trying to think what in particular is being offered, what's being asked of, of me uh, this Advent. Uh, as you say, we've had a few months now, in the, both in our local church but and nationally and really across the church, a time of scandal and time of growing mistrust, I would say, perhaps a lack of confidence in uh, leadership, a, a lack of confidence in an understanding that the church is carrying out her mission, both with integrity and transparency. Whenever we l- listen to the teaching of Jesus, we realize how simple and straightforward it is, and we really should be able to, to carry out our ministry in the church in a, in a similar way, so not have, having to have it seem overly complicated or in some way, certainly not in any way deceptive. That would not be consistent with the with the gospel at all. And of course, here in the Archdiocese, we've released some information recently ab- about um, mm-hmm. past cases of, of abuse extending over many decades. It was hard news uh, for me to publish. Uh, it's very difficult, I think, for all of us to 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 hear. The prophets uh, speak to us during the uh, Advent season. Often, in their context, it was in very difficult times, and God's people were wondering what's going on. Uh, they were wondering, as God uh, has said, we're his people, but maybe they were experiencing exile in a literal sense, mm-hmm. but maybe just felt in some way distant from God or that, that God um, had turned his back on them for, uh, for, for some reason. I know that's not the case for us at all, that God has turned his back on us. At the same time, the, the words of the prophets have had new resonance for, for me these days, but mostly because they sound a message of hope and invite God's people to come back to God's original promises and the promises which he doesn't revoke and which don't wear out, even though times may be uh, very difficult or confusing. So in the midst of some very difficult times, I have heard very clearly an invitation to a a renewed hope, hope not in our own efforts and and hope not in any vain things, uh, rather hope in the power of God and in the promise of God that uh, we will not be left to die in our sins. Uh, We will be given the gift of salvation, the gift of mercy, the gift of healing, all those gifts if we will turn to God and receive them. I've heard you preach recently about this time, this season, but also the time in the sense of the age, cosmically speaking, uh, in the plan of of salvation, the portion of salvation history that we live in. That is, between the first advent and the final advent, Advent in quotes, meaning his coming again. And uh, used an interesting phrase. You said this is a sort of uh, an awkward uh, position. It can be for us where each year we celebrate Advent and it's easy to just look at the commemoration of Jesus's birthday. Like this is extended run up to the one party that we're going to have celebrating Jesus's birthday. We're just commemorating in a sort of uh, a sense of what's on the calendar. What happened one, one time 2000 years ago. And then there's some mention in the readings and the liturgy. The first part of Advent is all about the second coming. You pointed out that you can express it better than I, but that there's this tension between the two that we we experience the first one, 
we know about the first historical coming of our Lord. We, we're anticipating the one at the end of time. But in, the, in this middle that we live in, it can be a temptation to think that there's either the completed event or the one that hasn't happened yet, and that's it, instead of finding him now. Could you unpack that for us a little bit? Uh, no, sure, I'll try. It's something that some of the fathers of the church had to wrestle with after the first or second generation of, of Christianity, where there had been a sense of the imminent coming again of, of Jesus, and then he didn't come again. And so life went on, and people lived and prayed and worshiped and died, and where's Jesus? Mm-hmm. So w- when we look back and listen to the accounts of the nativity of Jesus, we know that he was in a, in a certain place at a certain time. He was born in Bethlehem. The evangelist talks about the various people who were ruling uh, at that time. So it, it puts it in a place in history and as also a place on the map. And then the same is true for the public ministry of Jesus. You know, we, we know where he was. People could encounter him. They could see him face to face. They could hear his hear his voice. And it's hard not to be nostalgic a little bit for that hmm. period to think, what, wouldn't it have been great if Jesus had come to my neighborhood? And I would have had the chance to see the Son of God. And whether I would have recognized him or put my faith in him right then when I first saw him, but I'd like to think maybe there would have been the invitation to believe in him, to follow him, and, and that, that I might have been able to do it however however imperfectly. Early in the season of Advent, and it continues really a theme that was we hear at the end of the liturgical year, the church draws our attention to the second coming of Jesus at the end of time. There's always the question, do you know what I want to meet him then? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the scriptures... Uh, make it sound a little bit like a fearsome time. We believe that it's uh, Jesus is going to come and set things right when he comes again, mm-hmm. which if we're holding on to things that aren't right, that it can be fearsome. And if we've allowed ourselves to become so disoriented, disordered in our desires and affections, then that setting right you know, might be a, a, a fearful thing. Um, we don't know when that is. Jesus tells us not to try to figure it out and not to worry about it. Uh, nobody living so far has experienced it. And so the chances are we're not going to either. We don't know. So as you were saying, we're in this in this middle period. And the question is, where where is Jesus? You know, we talk about his coming mm-hmm. at Christmas. Is that for me, you know, living in 2018? Or was that something for people a long time ago? And maybe if I'm around at the, at the end of time, I'll, I'll have this personal encounter with them in, in this world. Mm-hmm. Or will I? You know, I think that we're sort of left with, left with that question. The church has been established, we might say, uh, to, to kind of take care of this of this middle time and to uh, make it possible for you and, and me to encounter Jesus in a, in a real and personal way, not in nostalgia and not in wondering about the future, but in the circumstances where, where we find ourselves today. That happens through the sacraments in a very explicit way, but the Lord tells us to look for him in the poor and in imprisoned, the the stranger, the marginalized. We can meet him there in a, in a real way. We encounter him. I, we have the experience, really. It's not a, our imagination. We experience him really in our prayer. He's very close to us when, when we call on, on him. So the, the Lord is near, which is an Advent message, and then really here with us, which is the, the kind of the Christmas message, the, mm-hmm. the message of the, of the incarnation. The incarnation meaning that God becomes man and wades into the, the details of, of human existence certainly in a limited period during his life and in his public ministry, but also now in, uh, in the church. And to, and to that point about living in the communion of the church being this extension of, of Christ in history, how have you been experiencing, uh, observing or experiencing him showing his love? So I've had conversations as I've talked to local priests and others who are in ministry. These are the things that they, they end up talking about and saying, well, 
Well, really, it's it's it becomes a more urgent question. I, I want to, I can be distracted by by a lot of dire news um, or worrying about various and sundry things, whether it's the second coming or or something bad happening to the church or something like that. You know, decline in numbers, all of the various possible worries. So, how do we see him active? How do we experience his love, like right here? Yeah, well, I think sometimes we can't see him so mm-hmm. explicitly, which is uh, the experience of Advent. We know that he's near, but we can't always see him because of our own limitations, or because of how he is operating in the in the current circumstances, which is beyond our control. We know the Lord wants good for us and and for the church. How that good is is being worked out in the plan of God and. And through the, the action of Jesus, we on a, at a given moment, on a given day, we can't necessarily see the, so much of that. That's not to avoid your question. I, I think yeah, that in these days we might be wondering, well, Jesus is supposed to be so present in the church. He's supposed to be visible in the church. I don't see him. Right. And c- certainly the sins of people in the church, especially the church's ministers, is a, a terrible corruption of, of the, the mission that Jesus has given to the church and the, the opportunities he he desires to create through the power of the Holy Spirit for, for people to encounter him. We don't want to judge the life or the mission of the church by, by the people who mess it up. We don't want to brush that under the rug either. Right. Uh, but those who betray the, the very presence and the saving power of Jesus are not being faithful to the mission of the church. And so when we see that, we're not seeing the church that, that Jesus has established in its fullness, in its integrity. We're seeing a little part of it that's mm-hmm. corrupt. We know that, that Jesus has established the church because there are sinners. Right. And again, I don't, I don't say this lightly. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, and in a sense, you know, people stop sinning, church goes out of business. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. now that's not going to happen in my lifetime because I'm going to continue to fall. <laughs> right. and, yeah. uh, and I think others might have the same uh, experience in their own lives. Again, I don't make light of that. As we kind of imagine the mind of God, God looking at us sinners, uh, even those who have been given responsibility and many opportunities to do something really good and who do something selfish or self-serving or willful that's harmful uh, to other people. God looks at all of that with great love and tenderness, not loving the evil and, and the hurt, but loving all of us who are mixed up in it and messed up by it. And so what we celebrate at this season is God's response to all that. And his response is not to clobber us and not to just blow up creation, but he gives us the gift of, of his son. So Jesus comes because we have sin and we're seeing it around us now. We, we see it in, our, in ourselves, if we're honest, and we, in self-examination, but we see it and, and feel the weight of it in, in the church in some ways these days. And we feel the, the weight of some real serious sins that uh, you and I may not have committed ourselves, but we're part of this living organism, the church of, of Jesus Christ. And as St. Paul tells us, when one part of the body is hurting or injured, we all experience that and, and share in it some way. So I think that's the first thing we need to acknowledge. There's sin in the world, there's sin in the church, um, there's sin in, in our own lives, in, in our own hearts, and, and that's true. One of the reasons that we published the list of, of the abuse that had taken place in this archdiocese over a number of years is, is to acknowledge the truth of, of that. Mm-hmm. Not all of it had been acknowledged, but it, it was real. And the, the effect of it is, is real and ongoing. It's important to call it what it is. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, it's, it's sin, and, and individual people have been hurt very grievously, but the rest of us uh, have, have been hurt by it too. The, the second thing to note is 
that uh, God is more powerful and more good, I guess say that, than, than all of that is evil. And uh, God looks at us in, in our sinfulness w with great compassion and decides to apply mercy to, to us, not, not condemnation. Applying the mercy, in a sense, acknowledges the reality of, of the sin. We don't need mercy if there's no sin. So we need it, and, and God is offering it. What we notice right away, and again, we celebrate it so beautifully at, at this season, is mercy is, is a person in, in, in God's plan. He gives us the gift of, of, of his son. So it's not a coupon or it's not a, a gimmick or um, some kind of gift that we'll wear out, but he, he gives us his eternal son. And then the next thing we, we would notice is that Jesus is not afraid of our sins. And he wades right into the, to the mess that, that we've created, the mess that others have created and we're experiencing. And he comes humbly. Uh, mercifully, but also with the power of, of the Son of God uh, to transform what, what has been corrupted in, into something that's really good and, and, and beautiful. The scriptures use the image of the church as the bride of Christ and in the book of Revelation, but other places we hear really beautiful poetic language about the beauty and the purity of the church, the, the, the bride of Jesus. But it's, the church becomes that way by allowing the Lord to come to us and, and to take what is sinful and, and corrupt and, and make it pure by the power of his own death and resurrection. So there's, there's the mystery of salvation in a, kind of in a nutshell. Um, we experience this great separation from God. That's the human condition since Adam and Eve. And we've all contributed to it by our, by our actual sins, our, mm -hmm. our, our own personal sins. Mm -hmm. So God's really far away, uh, not because... He's moved, right. but because we've moved. And we so did, our, yeah. our practical experience is this great separation between ourselves and God. And because we're created by God and in the image of God, we have this innate sense that, that with God there's life. Um, but we can't, but we're not there and mm -hmm. we can't get there. And so God reaches out, reaches down uh, to us in, in our sinfulness. And Jesus becomes the, the bridge, the one who cures this, this separation uh, by coming to us. God doesn't insist that we come to him. So that's the, the beautiful meaning of the Christmas feast is that when God looks at us so far away, he doesn't say, well, too bad about them. They had their chance and they had, they had many chances. Mm -hmm. He respects our freedom. And so Jesus comes humbly and he comes with an invitation to know who we are as God's beloved daughters and sons. And then to, with, with his help, lean into that identity and, and grow into the identity of, of God, sons and daughters, God's holy people. The thing we want to discover then this season, people listening to this is going to be right at the end of Advent, most likely, as we head into Christmas. It seems to me the challenge every year is to, is to, well, to actually pray. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that sounds maybe obvious to people who are more pious than I am, but there are so many things happening. Sure. There's all sorts of, you know, obligations and whatever, but, but to actually pray that to, 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 carve out even some moments of silence in those, in these days to, to really let the church calendar be an extension of mercy as pedantic as that can sound. Like there are all these days marked out on the calendar. Just pray along with the church, let the church carry you in a sense. Mm -hmm. so it would be one suggestion, but that prayer is the one that really strikes me. And what you said is, yeah, that's what I, I want to discover my, my own sonship. And I, I want people to discover their, their identity as, as belonging to him in God's family as a son or daughter. Because in that, everything becomes possible 
to face. You know, if, if we're left with the instructions or just the go do it yourself, the powerful maybe would get, a, would get along all right. The genius might do fine, but the rest of us poor slobs. However, if I'm in a family uh, and that's my identity, that can't ultimately really be taken from me as long as I remain and ask. Uh, and those are simple things. Those, mm-hmm. those aren't, I mean, it, it's not easy, but it's simple. Right. And we're kind of back to what we were talking about before, living in this middle time, you know, mm-hmm. before the first coming of Jesus and the second. Jesus is not inert. And, and, and so we're not thinking of a, of a statue only or of a memory, um, but a, a living person who desires to encounter us right where we are this Advent, this, this Christmas. And so our prayer can be, as, as the church has always prayed, come Lord Jesus. And he, uh, he, he's there. He's, he, he is with us. So he, he has something to share with me about this truth of our Heavenly Father's love for us, for me, this year that I might not have been able to receive before, or maybe I didn't need it in exactly that way before, but, but this year it's what's needed and it's what's, what's being offered. And, and he's also asking something to me, you know, always inviting me uh, to accept this identity, uh, to, to be his, not only his disciple, but his friend and his brother in the human family so that I can experience the, the, the love of God for me in the community of believers. So it's not just, you know, my God, my Jesus, my Christmas, but, but we're, we're celebrating this together. That's, so I, I meet him, really, this person in the community of the church. But he knows me, knows each of us personally, and he has a, a personal gift, a, a personal um, uh, manifestation of, of God's loving plan for, for each of us if we're open to it. In, uh, in our prayer, in our lives, in our interactions with each other. We don't often think of it at Christmas, you know, but Jesus, the Son of God, who comes now into the human family, when he was with his disciples and they saw that he was praying, so he was in communication with his Father, they asked him, teach us to pray, and what did he, what did he teach them? So he taught up the prayer that we learned as little kids, the Our Father, we kind of take it for granted, this prayer, but really he's giving us the um, opening uh, to, to be part of the family, uh, to uh, to know God as as Father, and to then begin to wonder uh, how our Father thinks of us, cares for us, that He's given us his, his Son Jesus. So we never could have known that we do have that relationship with God. That that's how God thinks of us, uh, without the coming of Jesus, and without Him teaching us that, showing us that, and then really sustaining us in in that, uh, in our joys and in our sorrows. So it's true that God is our Father. It's true that we're beloved daughters and sons of God in difficult times, in dark times, and, and in joyful times that, that, that truth endures. Well, thank you very much, Archbishop. There's a, perhaps a final prayer you might offer us. Yeah, sir. We, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the joy and the, the blessings of this holy season. We pray for the grace to open our hearts and welcome as your son Jesus reveals himself in a fresh way these days. We acknowledge the sin that surrounds us, the darkness that we experience. We acknowledge our own weakness and and sin. That we also acknowledge your love and and your power that comes to us in in such a personal gift, uh, the gift of of your son Jesus. With the help of the Holy Spirit, may we recognize him at his coming. And may we be so enlivened by his presence in our own lives that we desire to share 
our knowledge and love of, of him with others. I ask that you extend your care in Christ Jesus to all those who are listening, to all the people of our archdiocese in, in a particular way. Uh, give us your mercy and raise us up to new life in your son Jesus, who is our Savior and Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Archbishop, and have a, have a very blessed Christmas. Thanks. Same to you and your family. Thank you. And uh, we'll pick this up again in the new year. All right. I'll look forward to it. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice, a podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. For more information, visit archomaha.org slash podcast.